Episode 107 of No Guitar Is Safe features an amazing young guitar star on the rise. She's also a fantastic singer, actor, and she's even a violinist, dancer, Broadway performer, pianist. The list goes on. We're talking about Celise, and this episode is brought to you by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player, play better, sound better. So what's up, everybody? You know what? Gibson Guitars, man, they have this really cool secret. Well, at least it's kind of a secret. Guitar cave in Hollywood, full of every Gibson and Epiphone imaginable. Got a few conference rooms. But the main room, yeah, these guitars are just all over the walls. They're like three or four high. And there's all these amps, and there's a stage, you know, like it's meant for events and music and it's a wonderful place to do an interview because it also has great acoustics don't you just love a room that echoes when somebody sings a note or they play a loud note on the guitar well with that in mind what a perfect person to interview there today Celise, great guitarist and singer wow That's a little preview of one of the songs you're going to hear. And like I said, she can play and sing. And like I said, the acoustics in that room, which is called the Gibson Showroom. Wow, sounds great. Super talented. She also hopped on the piano at the end and did this really cool rendition of hers of a famous funk song. got that feeling hanging out with her young star on the rise you might have seen her on saturday night live with lizzo i love lizzo by the way big fan truth hurts is the song saturday night live and the first thing you hear and see is salise and she's playing a cream colored sg reissue with three humbuckers on it and if you're kind of a guitar nerd you might recognize it as kind of the same guitar that the late, great sister Rosetta Tharp played. Great video to see that would be up above my head with her playing, and she takes a big solo with a choir behind her. Incredible moment. And yes, we're going to talk about that. And the similarities between Celise's guitar and that classic sister Rosetta video go really deep. So it was really fun to get into that with Celise and everything else she's done. You know, she was also at the Gibson event. If you heard the last episode with Jimmy Vivino, he was the musical director at that event. It featured so many guitarists, Slash, Billy Gibbons, Lizzie Hale, Elliot Easton, Don Felder, and so many others. And also, Celise. She played one of her original tunes. Serendipitously, she stuck around and was in town. And I'm very thrilled that we get to jam with her today. My name is Jude Gold, as always. I I go on these adventures with my Zoom recorder, as you know. We're going to get right to it. Celise will be playing that very same three-pickup SG reissue through a Magnetone Super 59 combo. No pedal, just set dirty. I do play a little rhythm guitar for her underneath some solos, etc., on a couple of her songs. And I pulled a Gibson right off the wall. Uh, Junior plugged it into a little Mesa combo, Fillmore, set dirty, and I just had a blast. Thanks to a publicist I've known a long, long time, Libby Coffee at Prime PR Group for setting this up. She's doing incredible stuff with Gibson these days. And let's get started. When we start out, we're kind of talking about the rock. Not just the rock music, 
But the rock, Alcatraz Island, <laughs> the prison in San Francisco, in case you don't know what that is. Then we quickly get to music. All right, let's go. Thank you for being here, Solis. You're very welcome. SolisHenderson.com. Mm-hmm. Are you from Oakland? I am. Are you? I am. I just happen to be wearing an Oakland shirt today. Amazing. I'm like, yes. And uh, I mean, I'm from Oakland, Berkeley. Grew up on my, like, you know, Adeline and uh, Alcatraz. So it's right oh. on the border. The yeah. bar tracks come up. Yes. Everybody. I went to Alcatraz on like a elementary, maybe middle school field trip, which was such a strange why why you take kids to tour that prison is beyond me but every time we used to drive past alcatraz i was like oh, no. yeah you look straight down that street and you can see yeah. alcatraz so your family was obviously musical tell us about that super musical so um i always tell people that i was literally born into a bed of music my dad has a double bachelor's in piano performance vocal performance master's in choral conducting my mom has a double bachelor's in violin performance vocal performance master's in choral conducting they're Dang. both like where do they study so okay my dad my dad actually went to undergrad cal state hayward and then his master's i actually where did he get his master's i don't actually know and that's embarrassing but i don't know where you guys yeah. masters from somewhere my mom went to Hayward as well. I think that's where they met. And then she went to Sacramento State for her master's. Yeah, Hayward has a good program. I think Tim Stewart, who plays with Lady oh, Gaga, yeah. went there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Great stuff in the Bay Area. So right sure. on Northern California in the house mm-hmm. here in SoCal. Yeah. Today. Yeah. So and what kind of what was your first immersion into music that you remember? Oh, my God. Literally being born. Um, I mean, so both of my parents are like this interesting, strange bunch because they come from this they have this classical background right um but then they also both did in, uh, music in the church and so that's really um where I grew up with most music certainly growing up my dad was the minister of music of our church which meant he like was in charge of all things music my mom um was in charge of the women's ministry and like would do the the music for the little kids and so we were always um we were always at a choir rehearsal, whether it was at school for them or at the church. Or um, so my my earliest memories are sitting in a pew watching either my mom or my dad like direct a choir. And you were probably singing along. I was. I we didn't really. My sister. I have two sisters, and we didn't like officially officially get into singing into the choirs until probably our preteens, like teens. But my mom always tells a story about. She used to go to this church. I don't know if it's around anymore. Called Center of Hope. That was in um, in uh, West Oakland, and pretty big church. I think probably could fit. I don't know, like a thousand people in in a service. And um, she was uh, one of the choir directors. And I I think I must have been like between one and two, whatever the age is where you first start walking. And when she would go up to direct the choir, she would leave myself and my older sister with like an older woman in the church to sort of watch us at the pew. And my mom said one particular Sunday, my mom had directed the choir and then was sort of sitting in the choir loft, which is behind the the, the sort of preacher of the pulpit. And all of a sudden she sees me sort of get out of the seat and sort of wander up to the microphone. And then you see the sort of older woman go back to get me and she pulls me back. And then I somehow get back up and back to the microphone. And this happens back and forth and back and forth. And then at one point the preacher finally says, let the baby sing. And she said, they handed me the microphone and for like two minutes. I just was like, ah, I mean, I couldn't, and had no like words. Two? Yes. Like two. <laughs> that's how, that's how I was. My mom was like, somebody has a video of that, but I wasn't even walking till like the fifth grade. Oh, well. <laughs> So that's amazing. The, yeah. So the stage drew you. Um, do you can you play even just like a minute of one of the songs that you used to do in the church or anything? Oh my or? god! I'm no. trying to think. What what do we do every uh, every week? Um, I'm not trying to put you on that. No, I, it's like all of a sudden I like the the stuff you do like every day. Um, Rock of Ages is a big one. Rock of Ages, cut for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the waters and the flood from thy womb, when side winds blow, 
it's like, do you know that song, Rock, Rock of Ages? You just made me forget where I was. I'm, <laughs> you make me cry over yours. <laughs> so now yeah. we know where you learned how to sing. Let's yeah. figure out how you learned how to play guitar. What uh. was your first moment with the guitar that you okay. remember? So guitar is kind of a crazy story. I've only been playing, really playing like electric guitar for about six years. I came from, as you heard, like the most musical background. So I started playing classical piano when I was four. I wow. technically started violin when I was two, but that's, a, I don't count it because I played Twinkle Twinkle for like two years. So that's not really a thing. <laughs> um, so I had all this classical music background and I came from super conservative family. So electric guitar wasn't quite <laughs> like their bag. Um, but when I was maybe 18 or 19, I in my oh there's a junior college uh los madanos in pittsburgh pittsburgh california and there was like a beginner guitar class so i like bought a hundred dollar ibanez and i learned how to play brown eyed girl or something you know i learned four or five chords and i had many years of just having some basic chords and could sort of get around but was never really sort of focused on uh really learning and then i uh the last job i did as a a theater actress. So I have a background in theater. Did you study or you go to college? For no. Yourself, so or? I started working. It's still yeah. like, <laughs> I'm the shame of my, I mean, not shame, but coming from <laughs> such incredibly educated people, it still is after all these years. And after like a good amount of success, my parents are still like, oh, I never got your degree. And I'm like, I am doing okay. But yes. <laughs> um, but uh, so I actually got my first big job was being in the ensemble of the the Broadway touring company of Wicked when I was 20. Oh, cool. Um, so when I was out there, I I did that show. I did uh, a, a bunch of other shows. And then the last show that I did was a revival of a show called Godspell on Broadway. And in that show, they wanted me to play electric guitar at the end of my song. And, you know, I sort of was like, it was like an E. I literally was just playing chunking along to chords while there were two other guys in the band really like ripping it. What song was it? It was this song called Learn Your Lessons Well in the show. And um, every day they would hand me this Fender Strat and I would kind of be like, okay, like, I don't know. I this is I'm playing my little E chords while everybody else is sort of really blowing, blowing me sort of out of the water. But, um, and at the end of that contract, I was like, I should buy an electric guitar and just learn, you know, the 12 bar blues. Like, you know what I mean? I just should get yeah. something super, super, super basic. So I watched Marty Schwartz. You know who Marty Schwartz is on YouTube? Okay, so he's like one of the like YouTube guitar guys. And I, I, I literally searched like 12 bar blues. There's some video of him going, yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, okay. Yeah. So I learned how to do that. And then I was like, all right, well, I should learn like one little like riff, I guess. So. You know, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. And then it just kind of kept building and building and building and building and building. And I fell in love really hard, really fast and just became really obsessed. And it, like, it started with, yeah, like going over yeah. different videos in YouTube. And then all of a sudden, like the Hendrix records and the Chuck Berry records and the Muddy, Water, Muddy Waters records I had, all of a sudden I, I started hearing them differently and trying to learn how to play certain things from ear and like, yeah, just, I just became really like, and you started playing with lots of people. Yeah. And I started playing with lots of people. Um, and that was, that happened really sort of organically too, because I had had this whole background as a singer and as an actress and, um, had, had been doing uh, session work as a vocalist. And when you're in that world, a lot of times jobs will come up uh, as a background singer. And I had been hired to do, to run backgrounds for Melissa Etheridge. And while I was out there for a couple of weeks, the drummer that was in her band at the time, this guy named Brian Delaney, was somebody I'd played with a lot in New York in my own project. This was out in New York where you were recording with her? Uh, yeah, in New York. Uh, yeah. I was on tour with her through the States, but oh. I was, uh, oh. this guy, no, Brian, from so you were New York. singing with Melissa Etheridge? Yes, yes. And um, she had a record come out called Memphis Rock and Soul in like 2000, I think 15 or 16. And so I was hired to do backgrounds. I'm on tour with her. 
a couple weeks in, she pulls me aside and is like, I hear that you play guitar. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and she was like, yeah, my wife. And I watched a bunch of videos of you. You're great. And I was like, thank you so much. She was like, we should have you playing a couple songs. Like it was very casual. And I was like, okay. So the next leg of the tour, she sort of sent this like, you know, 30 song song list. And was sort of like, just plan some things. I mean, with very little sort of direction. So right. I sort of felt like, well, this is an opportunity to like really like kind of show up and show out, right? Yeah. And um, so I like went and I learned, like really learned the parts for everything. So then on our, at our first show, um, yeah, I just like kind of yeah. was like ripping on everything and she kept turning around and being like, oh, yeah. like you like actually really, really play. And now, it just sort of- Real quickly, what there. were you playing through on those gigs? Like guitar and amp? Um, oh, okay, so on that gig, I was through a, uh, a bad cat it was her actual it was her amp actually um That's just because of the way yeah. that everything worked out it was like it was easier for us to use something that she already had and then easy to just use a super badass expensive amp That's yes cool. yes i mean <laughs> totally totally um and i was playing a strat at the time don't tell anybody here at Gibson, but <laughs> <laughs> no, guitars are guitars yeah so let's jump ahead now. I saw you the other night at the Gibson event, which of mm. course, if people know from the last episode of this show, uh, Jimmy Vivino was here. On oh, episode nice. 106. I love this Jimmy. He has 107 and he was leading the band and we were talking about you. And, and of course you played your song, Get There. Yeah. And um, of course, I remember you playing that guitar that you're holding right now, I believe. Mm. Tell us about this guitar and the inspiration for it. And, yes. Uh, okay. So I'm holding a 1963 Gibson SG custom reissue. And um, it is very much inspired by Sister Res Rosetta Tharp. That's at least yeah. certainly why I wanted it. A lot of other yeah. incredible players. Three humbuckers. Yeah, three humbuckers, um, all gold hardware. It has the Vibrola arm, which is very controversial to a lot of people, but I think it's great. And it's certainly wonderful yeah. and wonderfully balanced with the neck and everything on this particular iteration. And... Um, the mods I've done, the frets are bigger. The fretless thing is tough for me when the frets are low. I like yeah. big, chunky frets. Um, also, a common thing is to make a master tone. So um, now so you I have, have a master tone on there? I have basically this is the master tone. And cool. then, so when we're in, I think we're, yeah. So that is neck. And then right there yeah. that's bridge and then I can roll in the middle and then if I go to bridge it's just the bridge that's like yeah. you it's, it's beefier right but then I can bring in the the middle and then we're to the neck so it's that it's that yeah. thing where you get a volume knob that's dedicated to the middle to roll it in as opposed to not having the option to access it by itself, um, which I really like. Why do you like the chunkier frets? Okay, so I bend a lot and I find kind of an intonation thing, number one. Number two, it's just, it actually is kind of less work. It's less work on my forearm, I find. If oh, I'm yeah. playing... I don't know, you, you, you feel like, at least I felt like when I first got it with, with that sort of low fretless thing, I'd be playing and a lot of times I'm not looking. I'm just, I'm just looking at you. I yeah. want to be looking out to the audience. And I kept finding that where I'm used to knowing where to catch the frets, oh, yeah. it would, all of a sudden your, your sort of finger is like, it's not the fifth fret, it's the sixth fret all of a sudden you're at. So I just, I like having that like anchoring thing, you know? Right, so if you're driving by Braille, you can uh -huh. really That's, feel that. No, it's really true, <laughs> it's true. And I, I don't, it could be psychosomatic, but yeah. I really do, the, it, it's easier on yeah. uh, to me to, to bend and to dig in when the frets are a little bigger than when they're smaller. And so tell us more about your mission, it seems that you're on to uh, tell people more about Rosetta Tharp. Yes, yeah, so Sis Rosetta Tharp is the sole reason we have the genre of rock and roll. And, and you and I both know so much has come from rock and roll music. And so often, you know, these big rock and roll gods, you know, the Stones and, 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 all, and all of them credit 
the Chuck Berries and the Muddy Waters for being the foundation, but the truth is Chuck and Muddy were all in the clubs and at churches listening to Sister Rosetta Tharp. She was an artist who had, was playing this rock style in the 1930s, the 40s, the 50s, you know. So, um, but she was a, a black woman at a time where, you know, it, it, her career is quite successful considering, but sometimes... Um, we have a bit of amnesia, I think, in sort of music history. And she's having a bit of a moment now over the last couple of years. People are, are, are discovering videos and she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I have, I mean, I have a tattoo of her in my forearm. Like, it's really, oh God, really? deep for me. Can we um, get a photo of that later? Yes, of course. <laughs> but I just think it's, I think... Um, the thing about being a black woman playing rock and roll music is so often it's looked at as this like very novelty thing that people are like, oh, wow, it's so crazy to see you do this. And to to a certain extent, I understand that or I understand um, because there just hasn't been very much representation. But then there's this other part where I'm like, it's actually the most sort of normal thing because it actually started with a black woman. We just don't talk about her as much. So I'm just kind of here to kind of remind everybody, hey, this this genre really is a, it's a black art form. It started with black people and it started with a yeah. really incredible black woman in churches doing this, you know. It's amazing what you're doing. And I mean, long before this, she was inducted, that video up above my head was incredible. always my favorite. People say, what's your favorite guitar video on YouTube? It's like, it's so one. good. It's so. I mean, she rocks so hard on that. It's, it's so incredible. unexpected. You know, if you have time. And that's I mean, later. She already, like, I was looking up today, like, she uh, listening to the song Rock Me from 1938 yep. recording. This is this is what I'm talking about. She's using the, the words 30s. rock me. Yeah, from the <laughs> 30s, totally. She was doing that stuff. It's, there's so much. If you haven't read Gail Wald's book, Shout Sister Shout, it's really, really great. And I feel like. It's one of the only sources that talks the most in detail about. Like, she was the first yeah. person to ever um, have her own tour bus, like a or the like what we know of as tour buses now, where there are sleeping quarters in the back and sort of a lounge area in the front. She converted uh, an old school bus and had on the side it was Sister Rosetta Tharp, Decca recording artist, and. You yeah, know, because before then they were just sitting in regular buses. That's right. That's five right. Five bands all sitting in the. That's City right. Bus. But she did it because, um, you know, at, the, at that time, it, it wasn't incredibly safe for her and her back, background singers traveling through the South and whatever. So it essentially was at a necessity so that they had a place to sleep and a place to dress no matter what, the, what was happening in the venues. But now it, it, it's set the standard for what tour buses are now. But I'm like, why don't we ever talk about that? She was the first person that ever did that, you know. Wow, that's amazing. That's crazy. I know that. Yeah. So yeah, you rocked at the Gibson event and so many people were there like playing at different times and like Slash and Elliot yeah, Easton and Billy Gibbons and um, yeah. Lizzie Hale. Yes. Would you mind playing a little bit of Get There? I saw you playing like, look yeah, like the I, first chord a little while ago. That was the song <laughs> I was planning on playing for you today, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, and yeah, if you can, you don't have to play it. You can play the whole thing if you want or just part of whatever you're feeling, you know. Let's see how, let's see how far we go. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm good. I get up every day and I pray that this will be the day I've been waiting for. I get out of my bed and my hands just to dread all the things that it has in store. Does this happen to you? Yeah, you. I swear it's like my dreams come about at the seams no matter what I do Are you listening? Is anybody listening? I want 
awesome. Wow. <laughs> cool. Thank uh, you for playing along. That was so fun. Wow, that's such a treat to have you sing a song for us. Cool. Thank you. Incredible. <clears throat> It's just so rare when people can. That's the thing about Jimmy, who was just on last week. He can sing too, you know. Like have people who can actually sing and He's play guitar amazing. and do both. That's pretty rare. So, mm. it, now, do you talk to him about his collection? I have before. We, you know, he he said the funniest thing. Uh, sometimes you got to take your three hundred favorite guitars and just whittle them down to the sixty or seventy oh that you God. really need. And he has ridiculous stuff, like a fifty-six or fifty-three gold top, like something. Yeah. I mean, just like. Yeah, he's unbelievable, he's a nut. He's unbelievable a nut. collection. So tell me about the uh, Saturday night Saturday night live show. Yeah. We're still talking a little bit about Sister yeah. Rosetta Tharp, and you had kind of another moment there. Yeah. So um, I got a DM on my Instagram. People keep asking, "How'd you get that job?" I was like, "Instagram." I got a DM from a music director, and then later an email saying, "You know, he had a television opportunity he was casting for. I didn't know who it was for." Um, and could I send my resume and some, and he asked for some specific kinds of video clips and I sort of saw the message and, and to be perfectly honest, there was an aspect of me that thought it was like so weird. I was being messaged over Instagram. I was like, this is fake. I'm not going to respond. But then I was like, okay, it'll take all of five minutes for me to send whatever from And what was the musical director's name? Devin Johnson. Wonderful. Wonderful. He's worked with, um, Tony Braxton too, and is an incredible key player. Um, and he... So I sent uh, along these video clips, and he said, okay, I'll get back to you in the next couple of days uh, once I've passed along to the client. And then maybe a couple hours later, he wrote back and said, Lizzo loves your stuff and would love for you to play with her on Saturday Night Live. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that is crazy that that's who this is for. Um, Were you living in New York at the time? I, I, yeah, living in New York. I live in New York, or I'm sort of slowly but surely becoming bicoastal, but technically a New Yorker. Um, and... That was maybe, maybe a week before the performance. It was, I mean, maybe yeah. a week and a half. It was pretty soon uh, close to uh, performance happening. And he sent me basically like their sort of a demo of what the song was going to be. And honestly, when I heard the song and I heard like the tone of the, whatever guitarist had played on the demo, it was so clearly like a humbucker thing. I was like, ah, I have a chance to play this SG, which I had gotten from Gibson, not knowing n- not knowing that this performance was going to happen probably, I don't know, three, four months prior because I had said to them when we first started working together, this is like the one guitar. This SG? Yeah, obviously, yes, this, this white SG. Obviously, that's, right. that's the one that's on the video. Yeah, totally. Because um, they're actually, they, they just started... Uh, releasing them again but there had been a long time where they weren't hadn't been doing yeah. the reissues so they're hard to find in particular with the i wanted the vibrola arm because there's a yeah. lot of them without that tailpiece and it is a sg les paul right yes yeah. which is like it's confusing yeah. because of the it, the time of year yeah. i i guess right. actually the custom shop guy here was just telling me last week that technically because this is a 63 reissue but sis, the one that Sister Rosetta played was a pro, more than likely a 62 because of the naming of, because of the name, the, the Les Paul uh, right. custom as opposed to the SG custom. Um, but anyway, that's a long story into um, getting the job. And once I got into rehearsals, uh, they were like, oh, we have this sort of idea where we want to honor Sister Rosetta. We're making you this coat. And I don't, like I said, I don't even know if they knew like how deep a thing that was for me. I'm like, oh, I happen to have the guitar sheet. Like this is like what <laughs> this is modeled after. I happen to have a tattoo on my, like I'm just a really big sort of thing. So we end up doing doing the performance. They got the strap made and everything that said sister on it. And, and truthfully, from my perspective, I thought, I did not honestly think that, I thought that some like music geeks would like maybe catch the reference, but like not that it would be like a thing really. And the next day after the performance, I had, I had posted whatever the video was that night. And the next day I was like, well, I need something else to post. So I did this, a side-by-side picture of myself in the coat and then sister was that in the coat. I saw that <laughs> again, but truly from my perspective, I'm like, my mom will see this. My Nana will see this five friends will see it like in no way thinking I was creating some image that was then going to be reshared like thousands of times. But as soon as that sort of went up, then all of a sudden everyone was like, aha, I thought so. I like, this is so amazing. And 
yeah, it just became a bit of a viral moment that is so exciting to me because there were hundreds and thousands and possibly millions of people talking about Sister Rosetta Tharp and her and that train station video and her singing um, up above my head and the church like all sort of circulating. So yeah, it was freaking wow. awesome. What amp do you prefer when you're, what's your, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. Great question. I play through, do you know Benson amps? I might. Okay. So Benson is in Portland. They're boutique. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I truly, I am, I am paid no money to say this. I mean it. His amps are, it feels like plugging into a Marshall, a Fender, a Vox. It's that classic, but it's also different. It's a somehow it, it holds all the integrity of what we love about really great amps, but then just there's something about how it sits in the mix. There's a compression thing. And he has a, an amp called the Vincent, which is a two channel switching amp. There's one clean channel, super, uh, super simple setup, treble bass level. And then the dirt side is based on this circuit. He has a one watt amp called the Vinny that he basically put into that circuit. So the cool thing now is I can get all of that like deep tube sat saturation at really low volumes. I can be at two with, with yeah. all this gain as opposed to having to turn it up, you know what I mean, mm, to 10. So wow. I love that amp. That is like my amp rig. I have plenty of other amps I love. I have a, a 60, is it 63? Uh, brown face vibra verb reissue that i love like a 90s that's a that's another yeah. favorite amp for sure but that benson amp is like my main what about the benson is that a separate head and cabin what it kind is of a cab separate head use? and cab um which i know everybody feels differently about i kind of like the, i love that me too i like the i like having yeah. being able to have cabinet options i like being able to take just the head someplace and i also it's such a just like rock and roll thing to look at a stack yeah. you know what i mean I yeah yeah so you have like run a one by 12 or so right now i have a one by 12 actually at that grove performance i mean there was a sea of yeah, you saw rigs <laughs> um and funny enough because i because i'm in new york i'm new york based he normally makes two by 12 uh sort of taller stack uh, right. with the head and I asked for a one by 12 because I'm like I just think it's a little more manageable for me if I'm when I'm doing gigs and it's not with the crew it's just me I can these are two things I can take yeah. in my hand but then when I played that show at the Grove I called him after or I texted him the next day and said I need you to make me that two by 12 because I loved the tone um at the Grove but there's something about when you have a two yeah. by 12 or four by 12 um, there's a space in the sound that happens that comes from the, from the amp that you can't replicate yeah. just being amplifying it in the house. And I, and I, I just felt that it felt, it was really a really direct tone, but it wasn't as like wide as I wanted. So I literally ordered the two by 12. Do you know what speakers you use or? Oh, okay. He has, I'm going to tell you right now. They're like, hmm. I don't want to get this wrong. Oh, they're Weber's. And they're like British yeah. voiced 30 watt. I don't really. You're doing my job for me. I love it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, Yeah. And just to catch up, uh, any other things that you use that you would want to mention, like picks or. Yes. Well, so I, I, a, I never think about them, but I use the, the what are these? The medium, the green medium Dunlops. Tortex. Yeah, Tortex. Yeah. They're really one of those things where it's like. I feel like it was one of the first picks I just ever picked up and I just I just got used yeah. to playing with them. So now anytime I have something else, I'm, it feels weird. Um, yeah. Pedals, I mean, I'm a pedal person. I love pedals. Um, that night at the Grove, I wasn't actually using that, the, the gain channel. I used Minitone. Do you know Minitone effects? Oh my gosh, great. <laughs> does like amp in a box uh, pedals. He's been around for a long time. He has a pedal called the Thundering Revival that I love, love, love. Um, it's like an overdrive? Overdrive, really like heavy, deep, saturated, syrupy drive that I that also has a trim pod inside so you can adjust the bass response, which I think is really nice too. Wow. Um, I use a lot of Chase Bliss Audio stuff, which is, you know, it's for like the kind of the MIDI 
geeks if you're gonna do i use a, a loop switcher a lot of times because instead of like i'll be in a tone like this when it's something super straightforward it might be an overdrive and maybe like a teeny tiny delay just to kind of lengthen it yeah but then i might go into something that is um a lot more sort of like moody and i want space i want reverbs and i want um sort of crazy delays and i just got tired of doing the tap dancing and once i switched to like a boss es5 i use one i think i use the same one yes it's makes it so easy because you get one button and then five things happen you yeah know? and then you're when you can skip them all when you don't want them yep and then you're not at the mercy of one little bad patch cable yep. i it's <laughs> literally i i love that stuff so i love chase bliss stuff a lot i use the, the dark world and the tonal recall um i also have uh ev eventide h9s i just oh, kind of like <laughs> yeah especially you know why because i'm like i'm still relatively so new to all of it i i am really truly so excited by everything there's a new pedal i'm like ooh, i'm just curious i want to hear what it sounds like i want to hear what it like what same like with amps or guitars you pick something up you yeah. play through something and all of a sudden it inspires like a new thing so yeah yeah now were you playing with i did you do two songs or one song at the at the grove, grove? i did one song and yeah. was there a, i know jimmy was on stage with you jimmy vivino yeah yes he was he's incredible was nobody else or no so other it, guitar players no, Couldn't it was remember. actually just Jimmy. Jimmy, I mean, yeah. the rest of the incredible backing band, yeah. obviously, Kenny Aronoff. Yeah. And Kenny Aronoff and Daryl Jones on yep. bass. <laughs> I was like, really, <laughs> honestly, truly, like, and I, I said to Jimmy multiple times, I'm like, everybody, obviously, Slash and, and Billy Gibbons and Rick Nielsen, all of them being here is incredible, but I was most excited to meet and play with that backing band because those guys are the careers amassed between those men. is It's unbelievable, really. I have a Billy Gibbons story from that night, actually. I was going to say, <laughs> what was the hang like after, and you know, what was the story? Yeah, tell me a story from that night. <laughs> okay, so, favorite story of the night, I think, comes from Billy Gibbons. I was backstage in the dressing room, and I'd been there most of the day. We are maybe an hour or two before performance start, and in walks Billy Gibbons, and I immediately stand up, and I'm like, hi, Mr. Gibbons, my name is Lisa. I'm such a fan of you and your playing and your style and all of this. I'm just so honored to meet you. And he says, not like, thank you or cool. Nice to meet you. He goes, what string gate you playing? Say what? What string gate you playing? Oh, cool. Right. And I'm like, back here. yeah, no worries. And I'm like, what? And he's like, what's, what string gauge are you playing? I said, well, I'm playing tens on an SG, which is, as you know, is not dramatic at all. It's actually quite light. And he goes, Oh, ambitious. <laughs> like, okay. And he goes, I play sevens. And then he, you know, goes on to tell the whole BB um, King story, which I'm sure you know. So I believe the legend goes that he was in his early 20s on a bill with BB King. They're backstage. BB says, Let me play your guitar. So uh billy hands bb his whatever guitar he was playing at the time and i think he said at the time maybe he had 12s or something on whatever guitar and bb had it for a couple minutes and he handed it right back to him and he was just like i can't play this thing why are you working so hard and he was like what do you mean like it's not the tone's not in the string gauge and he was like no and i i think maybe bb at the time was playing like eights or nine like something very very light so ever since then Billy has gone light and lighter. And like I said, he said he was playing sevens yeah. and he said, he was like, I can show you how to set the amp where, where uh, because he's like, it's all about how you set up the, the amp is where the tone is. It's actually not in the string gauge. And I have to say when he said it, there was an aspect of me that's like, I'm going to stand off stage and listen. Cause I'm like, I don't believe it. There has to be some, some, there's something else. And I listened to him and in the night you were there, it's like he had one of the thickest, like most glorious tones of the night with seven strings. Yeah. It's just crazy. That is nuts. Rubber, yeah. rubber bands. Yes, literally. <laughs> I'm like, how do you bend? Like, it's crazy. But everyone also, it's like everyone's touch is different, right? So the way that he, he handles that string is right I, for him. I love that that was the first question he asked you. Not even, <laughs> but that's what the, like, it's like he's uh, must be on like a mission to convert people to lighter string gauges. I want to talk about your four songs? Is, I think. If you want, there, are we, I mean, I'm not sure if this is something you're wanting to oh, promote sure. yet or, or like what's the status of your forthcoming record? Oh, yeah. So um, I just, I had to think of a second. I was like, what do I want SoundCloud? I mean, I can tell you what songs they are. But what, 
Oh, you were sent to, I know what you were sent. I was sent four songs. You were sent to Private Link. Yes. Oh, got it. Okay, now I understand. Right. Yes, so. those songs, I I had a minute because I was like, if you're talking about songs from like 10 years ago, I don't want to talk about those because they don't feel relevant. But those songs are, those are from an upcoming record. Um, yes, yeah. I'm super excited about this album because um, I've played music for a long time and as you could probably tell I come from there's a I have a lot of influences I grew up listening to all kinds of music and for a long time before electric guitar was really in my life when I was playing when I'd play these solo shows you'd come and I'd sort of I'd play sort of like a singer songwriting song of guitar and like acoustic guitar and then I'd go to the piano and sort of play something else and then I'd play djembe and then I'd play you it was sort of kind of all over the place and then when I started playing electric guitar it focused everything and it gave me this way to sort of have all of these influences from different genres and different artists but the guitar was sort of like this thing that always brought everything together and that the album for me feels like yeah just the the truest representation of my perspective as an artist and as a writer and as a producer and sort of all of that and i'm super excited about it, it. sounds great it's like funk and rock and soul mixed together yeah and gospel yeah, yeah 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 definitely for sure like you definitely have like a gospel intro to eyes on the prize yeah do you know that song do you know that I, uh, yeah i mean I know it from you. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so that's one for you to check out because there are a lot of renditions. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Pete Seeger, Mavis Staples has a great rendition from a couple of years ago, but it's an old um, spiritual that people have done for many years. And it's the, was the sort of the one kind of request from my mom that she had, you know, my mom likes, yeah all the stuff, anything I do. She's like, this is great, you know, but when I was talking about what things to put on the album, she was like, I really loved what you did to that spiritual. And I was like, okay, well, if my mom wants it, I'll do it. And then you got some funk, like on I Love Being Me. Yeah. Are you playing yeah. guitar in that? Yeah, I'm playing guitar, those little, all like, those guitars mini. Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> yes, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Oh, you're talking about... Uh... Yeah, it's a, yeah, I kind of... That fits together so well with the other instruments. Cool, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah that was super. a really fun one. That was a really fun one to do because I just kind of went crazy with stacking stacking things in the studio. Do you have um, a tentative release target this okay. year? Yes, my tentative release target would be the summer of this year. Um, I'm just in like a really, yeah. really fun and exciting place Um of just like taking like meetings and meeting people and just trying to find the right people to partner with. I was to about really to say, it. you've been out here and I, rumor has it that a lot of different big time managers have from other artists are calling you up. And yeah. Which probably is, yeah. taking you to nice dinners. And yeah. Stuff. Well, which has been um, really lovely and really nice and all why, why I'm sort of like, it's really, truly, I think the album is going to be worth the wait. And you and I both know, especially in, in this climate right now, there's so much incredible music that's happening. But it's sort of that thing where if you release music without the right channels and the right help, it's kind of like that sort of like if a tree fell in the woods type <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I love the music so much and I just want to give it its best chance to really be heard. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. I hope you do. Yeah. Out there. Well, maybe we could play one little thing to kind of go out. Yeah. What do you want to play? Why I don't mean, we just do like a... Something where you're singing? Hmm. Don't deprive us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anything. Blues. I, I love this song, um, Undercover. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's in beautiful. It starts off kind of like more acapella, but maybe you... I mean, yeah. Don't you know, boy, 
sound of the hill. Yeah. Thank you so much for playing that. You know, I forgot to mention my stepsister randomly, like three weeks ago, requested you on my show, and she, oh, she's not even me. a guitar player or anything. Oh my gosh! It's like that's you, really you nice. listen to the show. She lives in uh, Missouri. Oh, cool. That's so. Good. I play Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there you are. Well, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Keep it alive for a million years. Yeah. And right on. Before I forget, I got it. What strings do you use? These are, oh, Gabriel Tenorio strings. They are handmade here in LA. He does them one by one. It's a crazy process. You can look on YouTube and you'll see this time lapse where he, I have no idea how he does it, but he makes these strings. Oh, you wow. don't even see them because they're not, these aren't the wrapped ones, but they're tens, as I said, just straight ahead. I am yeah. was told at NAMM about nine and a halfs, <laughs> which kind of like, I kind of see the appeal. I might try that too, but yeah, Gabriel Tenario Strings here in yeah. LA. Amazing, I didn't know about that. And, yeah. and one last quick question: How did Devin the find? How did Devin the musical director find you? Did he was he scouting YouTube or something? I have truly have no idea. I just know he was. I know that the message came through Instagram. So I don't know if he was. I don't know if he saw a video and then right. and then investigated further. But what it a was great a DM! <laughs> yeah, a great opportunity that. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a pleasure. No, the time is safe. 